Hi, and welcome to Come Read With Me, Rev Chris. Chris and David are currently off recording season three. Until then, check back here each week to hear one of Chris's sermons from the archive. Enjoy. So when I was a kid at school, um, my school had this thing called CCF, which is Combined Condept Force, <clears throat> which is basically like this little thing that some schools do that put you into either a military kind of capacity training at school. So you can join the army section or the navy section or the air force section. And then on a Friday afternoon, you get put into these different sections and you do some training. And, and um, it's just a, an interesting way to spend a Friday afternoon. Um, I was in the Air Force section, so we actually got to learn how to fly, which is pretty cool. Um, I remember the first time I, second time I went flying, I told the uh, guy taking me up. He said, how many times have you flown? And I was like, oh, loads. So he was like, okay, you can land then. And I, w- I was completely uh, lying, confession. And uh, anyway, I, I managed to, to fly the plane and, and with his help land it, which I was pretty happy about. Exciting time. So it was really good fun. It was a good, good time together. Um, one of the things we also learned how to do was shoot. We had a shooting range. And, um, and in school, it was an indoor shooting range about the length of, um, from the carpet to the end of the church. And um, we had a competition, and I was playing against my twin brother, who's now a commando in the army, a major in the military, and I beat him. And I always remind him of that. I got marksman level, which I was pretty happy about. Um, he didn't. And uh, so we had this, this, shoot, this kind of shooting competition. But well, one of my friends was a really good marksman. And he ended up going on to county and getting trials for England and shooting competitively. And one of the things about uh, shooting, which is really interesting, is when you shoot competitively, competitively you usually shoot outdoors because you haven't got the, the length of buildings to uh, have a long enough shot. So you go outdoors. And there's loads of variables um, to uh, a shot um, when you're outdoors. And, one of the major things is kind of thinking about the wind, how, you, how your bullet will travel through the wind. And um, marksmen have this thing they call reading the wind, how they read the wind. And uh, I was watching this kind of marksman, world-class kind of shooter guy, and uh, he was saying that the way you read the wind is you have a kind of a high-powered telescope and you look at your target and then you draw back from your target and you watch the kind of mirage waves that come up from the earth. And you come back about a third, so two thirds from when you're shooting and about a third back from your actual target because some people might stand there with a little wind dial spinning where they are. But the point is the wind where you stand isn't necessarily the wind midway point or the wind near the target. It changes because you just don't know where it's coming from. So the thing he said is you draw back about a third and you look through the scope near the ground and you watch the mirage rising up. And it doesn't matter if you're in the Sahara Desert or the Antarctic, there is this mirage if you have a good scope. So you watch this, these waves coming off the earth, and if they're going straight up, then you know that the the wind is quite low. And if it's moving to the side, you know that depending on how much it moves, you know the trajectory in a sense of how strong the wind is along your shooting line. And he said the the only way you can really teach this, it's not really a science, it's more of an art, is you just need to keep reading the wind. He said you just need to keep practicing, you just need to keep looking and reading the signs of the wind to be able to shoot accurately. But he said once you keep doing it, you'll eventually learn the way the wind moves and you can read it so you can shoot better. Birds also uh, learn to read the wind. Birds that soar on the thermals, 
they have these really sensitive kind of the way that scientists have, have heard say that they are able to sense movements of the wind to such degree that they can turn into thermals and allow themselves to soar really high. And also birds of prey, before they dive, they'll, they, they can, when they're diving over the sea, they look at the sea, they look at how the sea moves, they look at things moving in, in, in the wind, and they read the wind so that they can catch it well and dive in certain, in certain ways to really pinpoint their prey. This idea of reading the wind is, is really interesting. You know, like hummingbirds as well. Hummingbirds are the only bird, I think, that can actually fly um, forwards and backwards. So they, they hover. And a hummingbird is, needs to be able to hover in, in terms of when a storm hits, they need to be able to feed. And also when it's raining and the wind, and they're tiny. They're about the weight of like um, a two-penny piece or something. They're really light. But they've developed a technique of flying that allows them to hover and they move forwards and backwards. And uh, a hummingbird don't just fly up and down. They actually, their wings fly in a figure of eight motion. And that allows them to move in this way. So they've developed this technique of being able to move with the wind and, and count and compensate for it. It's quite amazing. Nicodemus, uh, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and, and he says this, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Jesus here compares the spirit to the, to the wind. And like these, um, this, these shooting competitors um, and the birds, you can't necessarily... Uh, tell where it's going to come from or, in, in, or where it's going to go, but you can react to it and, and, and learn its movement and then so move accordingly as it comes. We can develop this sense, I think, of moving with the Spirit in our, in our lives. We can learn to read the Spirit. I found that as I've been walking with, with God now, um, for around 17, 18 years, my understanding or development of walking with God's spirit has grown. And I look back on when I was a kid um, and I didn't know Christ, but I can see in a sense movements of the spirit or the fingerprints of God guiding me in my life, even though at the time I didn't, I wasn't able to articulate it or name it. But now I have been walking, I can name the movements of the spirit, things that are going on in and around me. I remember as a kid singing out, shine, Jesus, shine, feel this, you know, in assembly and being really moved. And all I thought was, oh, this is a great song. I love this song. But I remember coming out of assembly feeling like, wow, I just feel so invigorated. I feel so full of life at this time. I really like that song. But when I look back, I know actually that there's something deeper going on in me as I'm singing that out powerfully in, in school. It's a really powerful, you know, bless this land, pour your spirit over this place, fill this land with your hope and glory. It's a really great song. There's something deeper going on in me when I was a, when I was a kid. And I look back at that. I remember, um, I remember looking back as a kid as well and, and not again, not naming it, but um, recognizing a sense of being told something by the Spirit or being moved and just ignoring it. I remember as a kid, this bully in, this, in our school, one of these bully kind of guys, he pushed past me and I was like, I don't know, 12, 13, and I crisps dropped on the ground. And they were really nice crisps. You know when you're a kid and you get the salt and vinegar long thin ones, the, what are they called? I, really, I was like, I don't get those crisps often. I was really annoyed. And I remember thinking, I'm going to go beat that kid up and go fight him. And I always sense this external force saying, do not go down this route. 
do not go down this route. And I was like, no. And I literally, I think I said, no, I'm going to do it. And I really, I really regretted doing that. I regretted fighting that kid for years. It was just a really unhelpful, unhealthy thing in my life. And I remember, like, as I've, as I've grown, as I've matured in, this, in, in my walk with God, there's a sense of me being able to name the work of the Spirit in me. Me being able to ask the Lord to guide or, or move in me or, or lead me and me much more aware of it. And as I've grown, I've also been aware of the spirit moving in and around people as well and being able to see the work of God in their lives and also oddly see when they're living not in the way they should be, maybe turning towards the, towards the flesh, maybe listening more in that. And in a way, I've, I've been able to sense what God is doing in someone's life and when someone is really moving away from it. And and it's kind of interesting, that walk, and it's hard to articulate, but I remember once um, I, was, I was in McDonald's, as I, you know, go far too regularly to McDonald's, but I was in McDonald's, and uh, as I usually do, getting my usual burger, and I was just really, really brought to this attention of this woman who stood next to me in the, in the queue, and I just was like, it's really weird, why am I, so I just noticed this woman next to me, and, and she was wearing a suit, and she looked kind of proper, but then I was just like, just took her in in a little bit more of a, of a way. And I don't know why, but she, her shoes were weird. She was wearing her odd shoes for her suit. She just, there's a little bit of oddness. And then I saw like dots on her knuckles, tattooed dots on her knuckles. And I was like, oh, it's a bit odd. And I just felt compelled to, I just felt off. I don't know why. Sat down and um, this woman sat further down and I was eating my McDonald's. And, uh, and all of a sudden I saw the lady get up and she walked behind this old lady and, and then she picked up this bag and put it in a bag and then walked out. And I thought, oh no, what, what's she done? And I went over to the old lady and I was like, look, I'm really sorry, Sam might sound strange, Did you, do you have a bag? And she was like, yes, my dear, it's just here. And I was like, oh great. And I thought, oh, I've just been making it up. I've just been, you know, um, you know when you question yourself. I don't, oh, that, oh, fine, great, carry on. And then I was like, ah, did you have another bag? And she's like, yes, it's just, oh. Oh, it's gone. And this woman had followed this old lady into McDonald's um, and then ordered just a milkshake, waited for her to sit down and then moved to next to her and took her bag and put it in her shopping bag and, and walked out and stole her bag. And I felt really convicted because I didn't say anything, but I really was moved to watch this. And I just doubted. I second-guessed myself. I wasn't thinking about what what was going on, and, and this old lady, bless her, you know, she had all her stuff nicked, her keys, her wallet, and she was a bit upset, obviously, so we, uh, we helped her out, but I remember thinking, oh, that's really interesting, I need to be aware of the, the movements that are going on in, in my life and in and around me. And, you know, one of the things I've, I've noticed more recently is, is that the acknowledgement of God in all things, God in all things, God in the world around us, in the other human we're talking to, in, even in creation, in life itself, in, in the way that the world is brought into existence. You know, the world is charged with the glory and presence of God. We just don't see it or acknowledge it often. In our creed that we say as Christians, that has been said for thousands of years, we say we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. The spirit which gives life. So anything with life is charged with God's presence. It's charged with his spirit. And we are called to see this and know this. And this is 
tried to, I've tried to live with this knowledge of not being like weird and airy-fairy and being on a Clyde 9 and talking about crystals. I'm not talking about those kind of things, right? I'm talking about a genuine knowledge that we are created beings and that God has created us and we are both flesh and spirit intertwined and we can be aware of his presence in the world around us. You know, when you think about Jesus and the way that he lived, he, he knew what the Pharisees were thinking. He knew when they were thinking bad things. And he was like, and he called them out. Oh, so as he sits down at the table, he calls out um, about their generosity and why they're thinking what they're thinking. He knows what's going on. When he comes across someone who he interacts with. And so, for instance, the, um, the Gentile woman in Athens where in, um, when he speaks to her about, do not, I don't take food and give it to the dogs. And she answers him, even the dogs get the scraps that fall from the table. Jesus recognizes something going on there, the spirit coming through her. And he says, well, for your faith, you are, you, your daughter will be healed and her daughter is healed. When he walks on the water, he's, he's taking a, he's, his authority is over creation. When he calms the storm, when he moves to different areas, he's aware of the spirit moving in people, around people, and in situations. And I think as followers of Christ, we are called into that place. We are called to be people who see and acknowledge the kingdom being around us. Are we aware of the work of the spirit? Not just in us as Christians, but in others, in the way that the Lord draws them, in the world around us. Do we see the kingdom? Remember, we are these beings created. We believe that God has given his breath into us as humans. We are all of us made in the image of God. And the Spirit obviously leads us to show the the list or the gifts of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, all of these things. We cultivate this as we are more open to the Spirit. Jesus says to Nicodemus, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. This kingdom is not just the one that is to come, but is the kingdom now. It is the kingdom now for us to see, to open our eyes to the kingdom raising up in this world, to be acknowledgers of this kingdom. And we we can't see it if we don't believe it or we're not open to the spirit moving in us and around us. But God calls us to see the kingdom emerging in the world. In the Lord's Prayer, You know the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. It's a kingdom for now as well as yet to come. Your kingdom come, your will be done is is almost as simple as saying, come Holy Spirit. It's another way of saying, come Holy Spirit. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're saying, come Holy Spirit. Your kingdom come, your will be done. When I was in Africa, that's very much how they saw it. It's an invocation of the Lord's presence now to be able to see his kingdom around us. And we can learn to interact with this. As, the, as that marksman, that shooter said, the only way is, is to practice, is to, be, is to almost like remind yourself, oh yeah, God is here, his spirit is here. He's living in the world, he's in me, he's in this person. He's seeking to move us in ways to open us up to his presence in and around us. In our Old Testament passage, we had Abraham. And Abraham moves from this kind of secure, wealthy place. And he feels the Lord's Spirit say to him, go into this new land, this promised land. And he leaves everything he does. And he goes because he trusts in this sense of God's presence moving him. And it's counted to him as righteousness. Ask yourself, ask yourself. 
Is the Holy Spirit leading you? Do you believe the Holy Spirit can lead you? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Because it's there and it's around us and it's moving. And if we're not open to it, if we're not, you know, asking, do I believe this? Am I involved in this? Then we won't see it. We won't see the kingdom moving in us and around us. And I think God wants us to know this. He wants us to know his presence in the world. He wants us to know that he's with us and, not alone, and we're not alone and we're loved. God so loved the world that he sent his son Psalm 32 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. God's not going to grab you and thrust you into his presence. He invites you and he says, do we want to come? You're all welcome. And we have to say, yeah, I want to come. Help me to see. The Holy Spirit is in the world, seeking us, guiding us. Jesus says you have to be born again of water and spirit. Our first commitment is to be baptized. And that's what we're going to do with George and Wilbur today. Baptize them, welcome them into the, into the family of God. And pray that... The spirit lives in them as we know it is and grows in them and helps them to grow and thrive as they grow. And part of the godparents and parents' responsibility and the things you'll be saying is that you will seek to help them grow in that knowledge, to grow in the knowledge that God is in this world and loves them and has a purpose for their lives. So let us ask ourselves, do we believe God is somewhere distant, this ethereal being sitting on cloud nine in the heavens, looking down, tutting at us? Or do we believe he's affecting the world? He's in the world. He's calling his people to himself and that he will bring us into the fullness of his revelation in times to come. But in this world, he invites us in and it's up to us to respond. Amen. Amen.